Hello and welcome to ASI as I 247.org is the website. My name is Russ Shaw. I'm your host. This is episode 121. And you're listening to Red. Love this band. These are Christian artists. First century. This album um, actually hit number two on the Billboard charts for sales here in the U.S. Album. It's been uh, six weeks on the Billboard Top 200 Albums list, and it's currently at 94. But uh, yeah, peaked at two, number two album sales in the uh, on the Billboard charts. So. doing uh here's some news for you my uh, email address to get a hold of me if you'd like to do that is russ at asi247.org send me an email i haven't heard from anybody in a while with any kind of uh heart level stuff going on i got kind of the core guys and the core group of folks that i uh I don't know if it's core. Should I say that? I don't know. But you can also get me on Facebook. Got uh, got the folks that uh, email me back and forth. We read our Facebook posts and stuff on the news feed there. Back and forth with Facebook. Just kind of hanging out in the cyber world on the social network. My Facebook is uh, I'm Russ Shaw. And yes, there's about 50 million of us. So... Uh, to narrow that down, I'm the Rush Shine Everett Washington, and to make it a little easier, you can go to the website asi247.org. You can click on the uh, Facebook link right there to link straight to my Facebook and friend me on Facebook. It's probably the best way to keep in touch, get a hold of me, and uh, hey, let's be friends, right? This is uh, this is my personal Facebook page, right? This is just to let you know it's not the uh, sexual addiction um, recovering pervs website Facebook. <laughs> See that? All right, I am. I am one of you, right? I'm not. Uh, I've recovered. I'm. Anyways, I'm not judging you when I say that. I'm ex perv myself. But anyway, just to let you know, it's just my personal Facebook. And if you listen to the show, I consider you a friend. So, yeah, it's not the sexual addiction Facebook or anything like that. Just to put that out there. Anyway. And here's the thing about Facebook. I don't know if it's the anonymity that holds people back or lets people loose, right? When you're anonymous, you seem to let more of your heart go. I'm not sure why that is, you know? I mean, it all started before the internet with Alcoholics Anonymous, right? We can talk about the real stuff with people because we feel safe here. We're all dedicated to a code of silence or whatever it is. So people just don't tend to let go of those real heart-level um, things. Uh, what do I mean by that? Um, Timothy Keller 
said something great about this. Check this out. He said, most people's problem with the Bible is not an intellectual issue as much as it is an emotional, personal issue, right? It's a personal issue that they have with the Bible. music for an intense show just to kind of warn you there that you may need to put on your emotional uh, intellectual seatbelt <laughs> listening to the show today and I I'm gonna tackle an intense topic all right an intense subject and uh, I really want you to understand that doing these shows doing this Ten Commandments series is is different right for me than what I've done in the past and at the same time I really want you to realize and understand that I'm not trying to shame you all right if shame or guilt or you know resentment or regret all right worldly sorrow leads to death okay that's 2nd Corinthians seven ten. that's a great verse to memorize um, godly sorrow leads to conviction, leads to life change, all right? That turning this guilt and shame around into conviction is really my goal here. Because I love you guys, because this, man, this truth changes everything. Second Corinthians seven ten. this is from the 21st century King James Version. For godly sorrow is not to be repented of, but worketh repentance into salvation. But the sorrow of the world worketh death. Okay, a work is going to take place in your heart as I talk about the subject. It, it just is. And listen, if I'm judging or condemning you, I'm judging and condemning myself because I'm going to be talking about where I was at not too many years ago, all right? It's like Ecclesiastes says, King Solomon, you know, the, the tears that scour the heart, right? Like, like cleaning the heart with a sponge, that kind of thing need not to be turned from. You may feel sorrow like that, but let it cleanse your heart and be mindful of, of the dragging shame that comes from a worldly sorrow. Okay, that religion, you know, that religious shame. I mean, Jesus went after the Pharisees for that continually. As you've done unto me, as you've done unto the least of these, You've done unto me, Jesus says, right? I mean, they're constantly on him for the Sabbath. Healing on the Sabbath. I mean, the lost coin, the lost sheep metaphors. In Luke, you know, in Matthew, these... This is God's heart for you. That you would turn to him. That you would run to him. You would love him. It's not a behavior thing. It's a relationship thing worldly shame and regret has you running from God, not to Him. The point is He wants us to live. Right? Ezekiel 18, 23. It's not... God says, I don't want any of you to, to perish. I don't want any of you to die or be damned to hell. Right? That, that's not God's heart. That's what the sovereign God of the universe says. Not the favorite verse among the cold Calvinists. It's the truth, though. Because, yeah, looking back at my story, um, it was the guys who came along with the shame and the, it made me feel like crap that I just rejected. Like, you're not trying to help me, you know? Like, I talked about in the last show with Job's friends you know it's like are you trying to help me or just trying to shame me more um no i, I want to bring the light of truth because here was my situation you know what i know the difference between right and wrong if you could help me see a little clearer maybe i could stop being owned by this thing and have some hope 
Man, give me some hope. Please, hope. I mean, I'd fallen down so many times. I, This thing owned me, all right? I, you know, I'm never going to do this, and then I do it, and I'm freaking out, and like, ah, why did I do that? And then I'm never going to do that again, and then uh, I did it again. Like, help. Give me some, give me some hope, man. Give me some hope. I'm busted. Don't give me more rules. Don't give me more shoulds and ought tos, right? Give me some hope. Is there hope? Yes. Yes, there is. And today I plan on bringing some light to expose some things to you and that may freak you out, all right? I guess the best way of looking at it is that, I mean, so many times doing this show over the years, there's so many emails and so many stories that I've heard and just testimonies from people who didn't realize how how jacked up it was, how bad it was, right? And hopefully that is the light that I'm going to bring on this subject today. It's kind of like, you know that your leg is broke, but you're afraid to look down and see how bad it is, okay? That's really the truth. Um, we do that as human beings. It's like, Ugh, do I want to look at that? Man, you need to look at it because you need to see how broken it is, how messed up it is. And, and again, I'm not here to shame you. I'm not trying to, you know, does the doctor who shows you the x-ray, is he trying to shame you? No, he's trying to help you. And that's what I'm doing as well. Um, take a look at this. Um, yeah, your bone is sticking up out your kneecap. All right, and um, I love you enough to say, hey, you better get that looked at. Stop walking around on it before it has to be amputated. Okay, this is what a lot of people are going through. And no, they don't look at it that way. You know, they try to pretend like they don't feel it. And we're good in that. This culture, especially here in the United States, man, we are like, just go buy another thing. You know, I make you feel good for a little while. And guys don't talk, especially men, man. We just don't talk about that kind of pain in the heart when it comes to sexual ethics. You know, and we kind of justify it, right? Well, everybody else is doing it. Yeah, everybody else is also uh, going through a lot of pain and hurt. And they don't necessarily talk about that. Most men are like an iceberg and, you know, the big mass of emotional weight is, is below the surface. They're not talking, they're isolated. They're not talking to anybody. And, man, sadly, a lot of guys just hit the eject button on their marriage because that's kind of the cultural norm. I pray that you don't do that, you know. That's that's like getting your leg amputated. You don't don't do that. Don't walk around on a compound fracture and and don't ignore the infection. Right? I'm not trying to shame you. That's not a shaming thing. Get this looked at. And uh, hopefully this this show will be like an x-ray to to your heart a little. Anyway moving forward. The current lecture series I've been listening to is by Paul Bloom at Yale University, a professor of psychology there. And he told a, a great little story about this as well. He said that... You've got mail. I've got mail. That's what he said. Um, <laughs> sorry, it's my phone. Uh, he, he said that there's a, a physicist named Wolfgang Pauli and Wolfgang Pauli was asked a question about another physicist, one of his colleagues, and and he said uh, he said, "Oh yeah, his work, his work is junk." He says he's not right at all. As a matter of fact, he's he's not wrong either. <laughs> I thought that was brilliant. I mean, it just it it shows an argument where someone is just just vague, right? There's a, there's a certain vagueness going on that I had to have clarified when it came to ethical issues, when it came to, you know, the character of God, when it came to this this book, the Bible. I had to have these questions addressed, okay? Just having them stew around and bounce around in my head like a pinball machine, I mean, it wasn't good, and it just kept me stuck. 
So I had to get them out of me. And I had to talk about some of those those issues where I felt, yeah, okay, that's not wrong, but it's not right either. I, it's just vague. I, I don't get it. What do you mean? So Russ at ASI247.org, um, if you'd like to, uh, I'm a big boy. I can handle it. You know, you want to take on some of those issues with me, you can do that as well as, as Facebook um, if you, you want to do that there as well. Uh, YouTube, again, Russell, two S's, two L's, as I, or ASI. Uh, there's a link on the website, ASI247.org. I care about you guys, and I know there's a gravity to staying inside yourself and inside your own thoughts and inside your own world. There's a kind of gravity that keeps you in orbit around the things you think, the things you feel, the safe place that is your own psyche. I mean, this was me. I, if there's anything that kept me addicted, it was my own stubborn, I'm not opening up, heart closed up like a clam shell. I mean, I was closed, closed for business on, on my heart, right? You have to break out of that. There's a gravity to staying there that needs to be broken. You gotta break your orbit around yourself. You gotta realize what's coming out on the outside, that that's a part of who you are. But at your core, at your heart, if you want to change, if you have a desire for change, that's who you are as well. And there's a battle going on. A battle for what's going to come pouring out of the outside. Check this out. This is the band Red. And the song's called Outside. I love this tune. I want you to trust me here a little bit, right? I want you to trust people that would love you, would come alongside you and help you and not fear them like they're trying to implant some kind of a, a virus thing that's going to tear down your world. Um, maybe some of your world needs to be torn down, okay? What comes out of you on the outside, like I said, is part of who you are. And you need to go to war with that. And you're going to have to go deep to go to war with that. All right? I, I tell you this because I love you. And I want you to trust some of the words I'm saying. And stop putting up these walls. It's just keeping you in bondage, man. I Take it from someone who's been there. I love you. So. In episode 113, I opened the Eighth Commandment with the uh, parable of this film... Inception by Christopher Nolan, and I would like to return back to that now as we fuse the uh, ending the Eighth Commandment and fusing it with the Ninth Commandment, talking about stealing and lies. Um, I love Christopher Nolan's films. He's made a, a lot of them. He's got uh, Michael Caine in every single one of them, kind of like, uh, like Tim Burton and Johnny Depp thing kind of going on there or something. <laughs> I don't know. But... Uh, he also made in 2006 this film called The Prestige. And I love how he uses these one word, um, big words to describe what's going on in the whole entire film. Um, director and writer, Christopher Nolan. Here you go. You keep telling yourself what you know. But what do you believe? What do you feel? about it, Ariadne. How did you get here? Where are you right now?
that's the music from the film Inception by Christopher Nolan. Love this movie. Um, probably my second favorite in this, this genre next to The Matrix in exposing truth. Um, Christopher Nolan, the movie is about a, a theft, basically. He also made another movie a few years prior called The Prestige, which is about uh, lying and deception and basically about magicians. And Christopher Nolan has a, a beautiful way of articulating and exposing what I call the three layers of a person's identity. And even in the, the end of Inception, I didn't like that he didn't quite go deep enough for me, you know? He was say, said in an interview that, you know, the top is spinning, you know, and he's, uh, he says, well, the guy's in his reality because he's happy, and that's, that's reality when, when you're happy, right? When you get to that place, doesn't really matter if he's in reality or if he's in some mental institution with drool dripping down his chin. Is he happy? And, and I th kind of a shallow. <laughs> I could have gone deeper than that. But anyway, that's I didn't make the film. So, but it still exposes, like I said, these three different layers of every person's identity. In the film Inception, he's the, the main character Cobb is basically a thief who takes from people um, secrets or information and, and sells it. Right. And, and in the film. And, in the film, he uh, wants to implant an inception, basically to inspire this man and change some markets and do this great heist that's really not a heist because it's an inception. Some One of the lines from the film that uh, the most infectious disease or virus known to man is not something biological, he said, it's actually an idea that grows. The word inception actually comes from the word inspire, to inspire someone. The word inspire actually comes from the words to breathe upon. James Harleman talked about the film, uh, film and theology at marshillchurch.org. If you want to look it up, uh, Inception, he does a great talk about the film. A lot smarter guy than I am, but uh, some great truths in this film. But those words to breathe upon is really when we're inspired, right? How are we inspired? What influences us? What plants that inception? And in order to inspire and to plant this inception, he had to go all the way through these three different layers of this dreamscape. Something James Harleman said about the film was one of the guys, what if one of the guys in the crew was actually performing inception on Cobb, the main character, right? An interesting perspective on the story. There's that scene that I so related to where this van goes off the bridge and all of the the people, the crew, right, are they're in the van and it's in like slow motion going off this bridge as it's like crashing. And one of the other characters in the film is tying everybody together and make sure they're okay and moving them around while they're in this state of floating through the air. And I so related to that, and Dan Hazen touched on that in my interview with him when he talked about when you confess this out, or when you're caught in, in the sexual system failure that is sexual addiction, right? You have to still do your life. Like, you confess this out to your wife, you get caught, whatever it is, and you still gotta go to work. You still gotta take the kids to school. You still gotta do family and you've got to do life. Where is your heart? And who are you going to be in your feelings and all that stuff that comes flowing out of you in the surface? And while this is all going on, you have to keep things tied together. You have to keep employed if you're employed. you got to keep encouraging and loving your kids even though you've failed them. And they probably know that. It's difficult, man. I'm not saying it's easy. It's going to be very, very hard. Or you can just live the lie. 
If you're someone who's not been caught yet, um, if you don't get this thing taken care of, it's coming for you. In my story, yes, I, I had it taken care of and I was a year clean when I confessed to my wife everything. All the dirty, ugly secrets. I needed to be, show her what I had become. I needed to stop ripping her off. Because the truth is, there's something sensed that something isn't quite right in that relationship. It, whether it's spiritual, psychological, I'm not sure, but there's always a sensation that something is off. Check this out, here's a quote from the film. Why are they all looking at me? Because my subconscious feels that someone else is creating this world. The more you change things, the quicker the projections start to converge on them. Converge? They sense the foreign nature of the dreamer. They attack like white blood cells fighting an infection. Like they're gonna attack us? No. Just you. Lying to people is a big deal. Lying to your spouse is, is a bigger deal. John 4, 21. I mean, that's the first notes I took from John Frame on this course was that God loves us, all right? But breaking the eighth commandment, breaking the ninth commandment, don't bear false witness to your neighbor. Now, neighbor has a, a lot of connotations to it as far as um, basically a lot of what scripture is going to say is neighbor is defined by someone who trustingly lives close to you, right? This can be your spouse, all right? And if you have cheated on your spouse, if you have committed adultery, if you're married, all right, if you have a boyfriend or girlfriend that you love, all right, that you are in relationship with and you would say that you are in love with them and you've committed that act, if you have cheated on them, all right, in the boyfriend-girlfriend area, if you have done those things, you need to confess it, all right? I, I know that this is difficult. It was difficult for me. I did 40 episodes of this here podcast before I let the world see how bad it had got. All right, I know how hard it is to confess this. You got to get this out of you. You got to confess it. You're breaking commandments. I was breaking the Eighth Commandment, and you're breaking the Eighth Commandment if you're holding this secret because you're ripping off your spouse, all right? They believe that you are someone that you're not, okay? Does that make sense? They believe they're married to someone who has not cheated on them because you lie. You lie because you do not want them to know who you actually are. And in that sense, you're stealing from them. You're breaking the Eighth Commandment. You're lying about it. And that is breaking the... the because, you've committed, because you've broken the Seventh Commandment, you've broken the Eighth Commandment, you've broken the Ninth Commandment by lying about it. All right? Lying about it is something else. It's, it's like being a con person. And I get that, man. I was a con artist. I didn't want anybody to see who I actually was. I wanted to sell people on the pretty version of me because that was a lot more palatable. Alright? Now this will blow up your world. I will be honest with you. But you are stealing. If you're lying, you're stealing. You're ripping off the person you love by showing them the pretty version of you. Man, I'm, I've been there. I, I know this is painful. It's painful to face. It's, it's, it's a challenge that will blow your mind. And listen, I'm not, I wasn't perfect at it. I mean, obviously, all right? I'm not your marriage counselor. I'm not an expert on marriage, but I have lived through this. 
All right? And listen, again, same for you guys who are boyfriend and girlfriend. Right? You have a girlfriend, you're lying to her, you've cheated on her, you continue to cheat on her. You're lying and you're stealing. In the 2006 Christopher Nolan film, The Prestige, it's all about trying to keep this illusion going, right? This, this lie floating. Every great magic trick consists of three acts. The first act is called The Pledge. The magician shows you something ordinary, but of course, it probably isn't. The second act is called The Turn. He's obsessed with discovering your method. The magician makes this ordinary something do something extraordinary. Huh. Now you're looking for the secret, but you won't find it. That's why there's a third act called The Prestige. This is the part with the twists and turns. Where lives hang in the balance. And you see something shocking you've never seen before. No more secrets. Secrets of my life. It's Michael Caine playing the character Cutter. Did you hear the three layers there? I love that. It's hard to see what's on the throne of your heart. You almost need, you almost, you do need someone outside of you to help you see what's really going on in your heart. And in this guy, the character's heart is the prestige, right? Everything to keep the prestige going. Um, prestige. Here's the definition of prestige from the free online dictionary. Number one, the level of respect at which one is regarded by others. And then uh, comma standing, semicolon, whatever. Uh, number two, a person's high standing among others, semicolon, honor or esteem. Self-esteem can be a very dangerous thing, a very destructive thing, high self-esteem. That was me a lot of, for a lot of years. I had a high self-confidence and a low self-worth. Right? That was my self-image. Keep up the prestige. Number three, a wildly recognized prominence, distinction, or importance a position of prestige in the diplomatic circle, right? Everyone has this. This is getting through the layers, realizing what's on the throne of your heart at the deepest point of who you are. That's what you're motivated by. That's what you want to do. That's changing that is changing your want to's. It's really a new identity. It's changing who you are at the core. You're still the same on the surface, right? Kind of like Jason Bourne in, in Identity, right? The, the Bourne Identity movies. Love those movies. I heard uh, Paul Bloom's a professor of psychology at Yale University, and he was talking about how Psychologists really don't know why it is that when somebody gets bumped on the head, they lose their sense of self, right? They don't, they don't know why, but people can still uh, write, they can still drive, they can still walk, they're not in diapers, right? They can still speak the language, whatever language they know, but they lose their sense of self, of who they are. I love that line from the song by Rage Against the Machine. The song that's in the Matrix where he goes, Wake up! You know, wake up! Over and over again. Jason Bourne waking up and realizing he can't remember who he is. People, that's Inception. In the film The Prestige, um, Alfred shows this little boy a coin trick. And then he says, never show anyone. They'll beg you and they'll flatter you for the secret. But as soon as you give it up, you will be nothing to them. It's this huge lie that this man believed. 
And when we believe something, there's the secret people, right, that we tend to teach it to. We tend to promulgate the lie that we believe that's so deep it's tied to our identity. Episode 40 is when I, you, the listener, the world, finally finds out that I, I, uh, I did what I did and it was darker and deeper than pornography. Um, I would spilled out the rest of my story and I so relate to that. I so was so afraid to confess this. In light of the Eighth Commandment and the Ninth Commandment, um, don't bear false witness against your neighbor. You know, your, your wife isn't your neighbor. Your neighbors are your neighbor. I mean, you could justify why not to confess all day long. Um, I became a Christian and I started to study and I started to really get into this book and I started to understand the the truths. Um, I was very afraid to tell my wife because I love her. Because I love her that much. Because I was afraid to show her who I really was. Um, all the way back to episode 18, you know, episode 17, back in March of 2006, I started talking about this, you know, bomb going off metaphor. In uh, episode 18 and 19, I had James Brooke with uh, Take a Bullet, uh, the book that he wrote, and, and I just started to move towards, okay, i got to confess this because I know that's the right thing to do. But I was still very, very afraid because I love my wife, because I didn't want to lose her, because, you know, how am I going to get her to forget all of this? I mean, this, it doesn't work that way. And that song is a pouring out of the heart in, in a situation like this. But if you're listening to me now, hopefully you understand that this has to be confessed. There's this scene in the film um, Megamind, which I love. Will Ferrell uh, plays this uh, villainous super villain, right? There's the superhero and the supervillain. He's the supervillain. And then uh, he has to become the hero. It's kind of the tagline of the film. But in the story, um, he starts to fall for this girl, right? And he's, he strikes up this conversation with her, and he enters into relationship with her while she thinks he's this librarian because he has this magic watch that will change his appearance so he looks like other people, you know. It's how he, he gets around in the world, you know. So he has her, Tina Fey plays the, the love interest, so he has her sold that he is this, uh, this librarian person. And they start to have these conversations and things get deeper she starts to feel that she knows him that he knows her that they have they start to you know this relationship starts to get ignited and there's a point in the film where somebody bumps the watch right and and she's been doing stories on him as a reporter and stuff throughout her career and, and she knows him the real him as the villain who's, you know, wrecked the city and done horrible things. And when this watch gets bumped, she sees who he is and she's like, <gasps> and freaks out and gets up and is like, oh my God, stay the heck away from me. It was such a, a cool but heartbreaking metaphor for what I've been through confessing this. There is months years of where my wife just last night has a dream and, and you know I mean we're still dealing with this waking up and going am I with the villain or not okay you're going to make choices you're going to grow you're going to press into God and build that relationship with Him because He knows who you are. And in that growth, you will figure out who you are in this situation.
Is your marriage going to make it? I don't know. If I press into Jesus, Ross, is, is everything going to be okay and all my prayers going to be answered and things are going to be fine? Man, I don't know. But as your fellow traveler on the road of life, I, I will tell you this. And I've said this in previous shows and it's a line from the film The Matrix. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. Your life is driven by energies, right? Emotional, intellectual, and spiritual energies. You place your hope in something every day. You're going to turn the page, the empty page that is tomorrow, and you're going to start to write on it with what you place your hope in for that day. And yes, praying to Jesus and asking him humbly to help heal your marriage. What does that look like? Worldliness, all right? There's this myth out there in, in a lot of religious circles. Religious people will say that, oh, the films and the music and the culture, that's worldliness. No, it's not. Worldliness is defined in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride in possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. Right? The, the lust of the flesh, the, the pride of life. The, this is worldliness. It's a deeper level than simply looking at a, a piece of film or a piece of music and saying, oh, that's worldly and nasty. Why? Why is it? What message in that are you afraid of? And maybe that's why you judge it. Worldliness is the prestige, right? That's so eloquently communicated in that trailer that I played earlier from the film The Prestige. The pledge, the lie, right? The turn, the deception, the prestige, breaking all these commandments to build up this worldly person. That's the prestige. That's worldliness. Philippians um, chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. All right? That's how you look at a piece of film or a piece of music. It can be an act of worship with your mind to help you see where you're faking it, where you're living in the prestige, where you're worldly. James chapter 4, verse 3 through 5. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly. You spend it on your passions, you adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship with the world is it? enmity with God. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose, and this is like praying for the Holy Spirit, right? I talk about that a lot in the last few episodes. Asking God to give you the Holy Spirit. That's what he wants us to go after. That's what he wants you to pray for. Give me the Holy Spirit, not fix my marriage for me. No, give me the Holy Spirit so I can approach my wife and love her and see her dressed in white. And I pray this still, man. I want my wife to run to me, not away from me. So I'll run to Jesus and not away from him. Verse 5. Or do you suppose it is no purpose that the scripture says, He yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us. And God wants to be that close to you. He wants you to reach for Him as Savior. Not booze, not pills, not porn, not all the things we numb ourselves with. Reach for Him, desiring Him, yearning for Him. 
All right, I've gone long. I've actually cut this episode in half. That's how long this is. More like an audio book than podcast episodes. Closing the eighth and opening the ninth. Again, running down the aisle to him, right? Even though we have our, our prestige and our pride and we, we're praying and asking God to, to release us of that, letting your addictions, letting your pride, letting your prestige just shed off you like a dog. Like a dog sheds hair. That's running to him. We put God on like a wedding dress. I love this song by Derek Webb. It's called Wedding Dress. I love you guys. Again, man, you need any help with this, you give me an email. It's russ at asi247.org. Stop being isolated. Talk to somebody. If it's me, talk to me. If you want to be anonymous, you're anonymous. I'm not going to tell, talk to anybody, even in anonymity. I will not share your story with anyone at all. Hear me out. Anyone at all without your permission. But I, I ask you to share your story with more than just me. Someone face-to-face, eye-to-eye would be ideal. But again, I've been through it. And maybe you're hearing that here. So again, Russ at ASI247.org. Sexual Integrity Coaching Sessions are on YouTube at uh, Russell, two S's, two L's, ASI. My name is Russ Shaw. I love you guys. Again, donations. If you can make a donation to the show, I'd sure appreciate it. That That's at ASI247.org. You can leave a donation on the website. There's an address for a P.O. box if you'd rather mail something. Um... Man, until next week, I'll continue this message. I love you guys. Bye. If you could love me as a wife And for my wedding gift your life Should that be all I'll ever need Or is there more I'm looking for? Should I read between the lines And look for blessings in disguise To make me handsome, rich and wise Is that really what you want? As I am a whore, I do confess like a wedding dress and I run down the aisle run down the aisle well, I'm a prodigal with no way home I put you on just like a ring of gold and I run down the aisle run down the aisle Go and I run down the
put you on just like a wedding dress And I'd run down the aisle Run down the aisle Well, I'm a prodigal with no way home I put you on just like that ring of gold 